Back in 2009, a rather unusual advertising campaign was undertaken in the United Kingdom, and it would come to be known as the Atheist Bus Campaign. So on London's famous red double-decker buses um, was an advertisement that read, there's probably no God, now stop worrying and enjoy your life. Now, we would obviously disagree vigorously with such an advertisement. But there are other problems with it as well. You know, first, the statement, there's probably no God, it's not exactly brimming with confidence. Think of what it says when, a, when a, think of like a politician, for instance, who says something like, I probably won't raise taxes. I mean, no one's really confident that that politician will keep his or her word, probably doesn't inspire confidence. Moreover, the Catholic response to the statement, there's probably no God, it's not its opposite. We wouldn't say, oh no, on the contrary, there probably is a God. No, what we would say, we would assert that God exists. And what's more, that we can come to know that God exists with certitude. By the light of natural reason, as well as through revelation. I know that's a topic for another homily. But then we have this second statement, now stop worrying and enjoy your life. And it implies that belief in God leads to anxiety, worrying, stops us from having a fulfilled life, a happy life. And Simply, it's not true. Certainly, there might be outliers, extreme cases where people could point to anecdotes, but in general, it's not. Even secular studies, time and again, have shown that a strong faith in God correlates with a happier life, with, with a greater satisfaction in life that endures despite the ups and downs um, that we inevitably face. But perhaps the best response is our second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, where the apostles' words stand as a strong and direct rebuke to the idea that faith in God inevitably leads to anxiety and worry and keeps us from enjoying life. You know, St. Paul tells us, rejoice in the Lord always, have no anxiety about anything at all speaks about praying to God devoutly all the time, and then we will experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. They're profound words, but we should really, before we dive into what they mean, understand the context in which they were written. Paul writes these words from a Roman prison. Prisons in general are places stripped of creature comforts, not happy places. Uh, that's true today. It was even more so true in Paul's day. In Paul's day, upon arrest, uh, before imprisonment, a man would be stripped naked and flogged, experiencing um, extreme humiliation as well as pain. Then, of course, there was the uncertainty of Paul's future. What would happen to him? So it's all, all the more remarkable that what seems like the last place 
Paul would be, St. Paul would be rejoicing and telling others to do the same. Um, a Roman prison, that is precisely what he's doing. The question is, why or maybe how can he experience joy in the midst of such suffering? Maybe a good place to try and find an answer is to ask the question, what is joy? In joy, if we Google it, we'll get a definition of, of something like uh, a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. I suppose that's not wrong. But traditionally, joy has meant something a little different. It's meant the delight that comes from possessing a particular kind of good. You know, so you think of... Um, you know, think of a sports team that wins a championship. A couple years ago, I'm sure many of us watched as the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And when a team wins something like the Super Bowl, you see on the field rejoicing. You see joy. This good that the team had worked towards, fought hard to get, they now possess this championship. Or maybe on a deeper level, think of parents of a newborn child. Uh, the mere presence of their baby is enough to elicit joy. They delight in just being with their child. Then in the spiritual realm, joy, joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit, but in particular, it's an interior delight, this otherworldly peace and spiritual contentment, which comes from knowing and loving the greatest of goods, goodness himself. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I would even say more than that, possessing God in a sense, because he dwells in the souls of his faithful by his grace. And so St. Paul is able to rejoice in what is an objectively horrible situation because the Lord is near, is within him in, the inner, in his innermost being, in the depths of his heart and soul. God, who is the source of our joy, was with him, even in the darkness of a Roman prison. He didn't have to worry about what may happen to him. He didn't have to worry because God is real, exists, knows him, loves him, and cares for him in his providence. Now let's ask this question. Does, did did St. Paul's faith, his belief in God, lead him, uh, make him more anxious, more worried. No, on the contrary, in a place that consistently provoked distress and angst, Paul experienced otherworldly peace. Did Paul's faith and belief in God, did it prevent him from enjoying life? And think of that word, enjoy. The root of it is joy. No, on the contrary, again, in a place that consistently caused sorrow and even despair, he was paradoxically able to rejoice, to, to experience a supernatural joy. You know, the point of this homily, it's, it's not to bash that British atheist bus campaign. The point of that homily is all of us can and should experience that otherworldly peace and joy that Paul experienced. Because why? God has created us for himself and our hearts are restless until they rest in him. 
this, this joy and otherworldly peace that Paul experienced in a Roman prison, we ought to experience too. And not just when things are going well for us, but even when they're going bad and really bad. How? How can we experience this joy? We need to have the kind of awareness of God's presence that Paul had or something approaching it. And he tells us how we can do that. He says, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, we need to pray. And the verse immediately after the end of our second reading tells us to rejoice always and to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean being on our knees 24-7, which isn't really possible. But it does mean that prayer is not just an occasional thing, not just here and there when we feel like we really need something. We need to, what, what Paul is getting at is we need to cast our cares upon the Lord daily. We need to bring to him what troubles us, what weighs us down and burdens us. And we need to do so in a spirit of faith. Belief that God is real, that he knows us and hears us, that he loves us, that he cares for us in his providence, that all things work for the good for those who love God. And we need to approach him as a small child with the confidence that a small child approaches a parent. Absolutely sure that mom or dad will be able to solve whatever difficulty, take away whatever problem, will have the answer. We need to have that kind of, of trust and belief in God because that's reality. And because that's what the great saints have shown us to do. That's what Paul did in this Roman prison. And the amazing thing, heroic as Paul's example is, uh, he's not the only one. We have 2,000 years of church history, of men and women, and even some children that have been placed in similar circumstances. And, in, and paradoxically, they found this peace and this joy. In these remaining days of Advent, let us rejoice because God exists. Because not only do we know he exists, but that he is near. And let us resolve to pray without ceasing so that we too can know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and rejoice even in the midst of our sorrows.